Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to a special bonus edition of the ESPN Footy Podcast. Special for some, maybe not for others. Jake Michaels is joining myself, Matt Walsh, and Rowan Connolly is also joining the podcast today because we're going to talk Essendon, Rowan. There's a lot happening, a lot of moving uh, parts at this stage, but the latest that we know is that uh, President Paul Brasher is not going to be at the club beyond next week, we believe, when the season ends for Essendon. There's been a lot of conjecture about coach Ben Rutten's future, but that seems to be hanging in the balance, at least for now. But fair to say, uh, the last 24 hours, because we're recording this at 2.46pm on a Monday, has not covered the Bombers in glory. No, no, it's been an absolute car crash. But, I mean, my view is that 2022 as a whole has been a car crash. Um, my view on this has been consistently that it's far more than a a coaching or on-field issue. It's a whole club issue. And, and what has blown up out of the result? It's always a – well, nine times out of ten, it's an on-field thing that that sort of is a straw that breaks the camel's back. And so it's proved again. And you've got two issues going on simultaneously. One is a lot of disquiet about the coach, Ben Rutten, and this list and where they're at on the field but also um, the bubbling over of a lot of off-field discontent too. And in a nutshell, I think you've seen a board of 10 break into two factions, one of six, which appears to be spearheaded, if you like, by former coaching great Kevin Sheedy and Dave Barham, media uh, executive, long-time media executive uh, who's worked covering football, cricket, you name it, um, and the incumbent chairman, Paul Brasher, on uh, leading, if you like, a group of four, which uh, also includes his would-be successor, Paul Allen, who, uh, sorry, Peter Allen, who is uh, at currently the vice president. So there's a lot of off-field discontent as well, um, and it's a bit of a chicken of the egg situation in terms of what's going to happen, and Already today, as you say, we're recording this. As we record this, it's, it's all really in a state of flux. There were reports earlier today that Ben Rutten had, in, in fact, been sacked. Uh, the Herald Sun, as we record this, is reporting that that is not the case, that he still has his job. Uh, there's speculation Chief Executive Xavier Campbell may depart. Um, and all this, to me, is symptomatic of a club in, in complete disarray and and really, I would argue off the field, it's been in disarray for a long, long time. And uh, I know for a fact there's a lot of uh, very prominent Essendon people who have been just shaking their heads about the state of the club for a long time now. And um, I hope this might be the lancing of the boil, if you like. So the, clearly there's a lot of aspects happening all at once. There was obviously the the performance on Sunday, which Jake, you were you were talking to me about earlier and, and the way that you sort of said they performed was just not up to par and not up to scratch. There's also the Alistair Clarkson thing hanging over the heads of now three clubs that are coachless going into next season. Um, there's, as you say, a lot of discontent from um, high profile fans and, and those uh, in the know at the club as well, Rowan. It, it all seems to be coming to a head now Um and, and the thing that kind of hangs over the whole lot is the Clarkson thing. And it's bizarre to me, Jake, and you, you're, you're strong on the view, on the view of, of coaches and the effect that they have on the playing group and how much they can actually do. But it seems to be that this one guy is just looming. The shadow is looming over all these clubs and they are only more than happy to pull the trigger on putting um, processes in place to get his signature. 
I've said this numerous times on this podcast and and in written form as well. Don't take this the wrong way. I'm not slagging Alistair Clarkson off and saying that he's an awful coach. Obviously, that's not accurate. What I'm saying is we, as in the media and fans and everybody involved in football, tends to overrate the importance of coaches to, to, to an alarming extent. Culture is certainly important. There's no doubt about it. But there's plenty of people that can come in and create a strong culture. The, the obsession to get Alistair Clarkson in the door, like he's going to come in and next year the Bombers are going to go from 15th to win a flag or North or whoever he's coaching next year is just, it's insanity. Look at his early years at Hawthorne. Look at his later years at Hawthorne and look at the period in between where he had eight or nine future Hall of Famers on the team. We, we give too much credit to coaches, Alistair Clarkson included, who are winning premierships and at the top of the uh, top of the ladder for a long extended period of time and on the the flip side of that we do the opposite thing with coaches who are down the bottom and we say oh such and such he can't coach he's awful he's got to go the 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 main point i've always said is it's always down to personnel and right now you look at the personnel playing for the bombers and and quite a lot of the time you know we talk about the amount of players that are uh young on Essendon's list that have got potential to be strong players but just at the moment, it's not there. Same thing with North Melbourne. The talent isn't there. And there's a reason why certain clubs are at the bottom of the ladder. And there's a reason why certain clubs are at the top. Ordinarily, I would agree with you, Jake. But I think this is this is the one bloke on which I would, in this case, disagree for a few reasons. Now, Essendon, by the way, is chronically uh, an overrater of its playing list. And I think that yeah. has been a big factor in this. The list just isn't that good. Not no. nearly as good as people there seem to think. But the thing with with me about Clarkson, I think he is different in this. I, I do think he is one of the all-time great coaches. My reason for thinking that is, and you've got to go back away now, and people do tend to have short memories. He remade those Hawthorne sides at least three times. And when I say remade, not just in terms of personnel, but in terms of the style of football they played. You know, it began with Clarko's cluster. There was then a, a concentration on possession, uh, precise delivery, slicing sides apart with precise delivery by foot. He was able to remake um, the way his teams played their football on at least three different occasions, often in a short space of time. He's a a diligent studier of of the tactics and strategies of other sports, and that has made him different to others as well. So I think he's a groundbreaker. So in that sense, I think he he breaks the mould. Secondly, though, I think he's the perfect man for Essendon, if only it's not necessarily a great reason for thinking this, but it's necessary, I think. I don't think um, a younger coach or a coach without those sort of runs on the board and credibility, would be able to withstand the ridiculous amount of politics and backbiting and you name it that goes on at that club and has been going on now for two decades. And I think that was, you know, that's part of a thing which has almost broken Ben Rutten. It broke Matthew Knights before him. It will take someone of Clarkson's strength and preparedness to take on those forces and have a public spat with them and flex his muscle, if you like, to pull those various parts of the club into line. I think that's what it takes. So if they were to go out and follow due process, again, which ordinarily I would say they do because they haven't done it ritually for a long time now, 
um, they'd end up with a coach who probably would again be defeated by these outside forces. That's how perilous the position of the whole club is. But we're talking about, so Rutten, he did he did the apprenticeship with Worsfold for a year with the intention of him being the long-term coach at this club. Yeah. And he's got a year to run on his contract. So he's, he's contracted through till the end of 2023. Does it not just send a damning message on behalf of someone like Xavier Campbell, who's had his own controversies this year, Rowan, and you can sp- speak to those as well. But does it not speak to where the club is at off field, where you go through all this process, say, this is going to be our guy. And then with uh, a year to run, media outlets are going with the fact that he's been sacked. Well, I mean, you mentioned Xavier Campbell to me, and I I cannot believe that Xavier Campbell has survived as long as he has as CEO. I cannot believe he was extended for another two years in a move that they desperately tried to keep silent because they Mm. knew it would embarrass them. Um, Xavier Campbell is the man who has signed off on these other appointments made without due process, i.e. the appointment of John Worsfold as coach, i.e. the appointment of Rutten as coach. Um, Both of them were the initiatives of people now departed the club, by the way, President Paul Little and former football manager Dan Richardson. Um, And Xavier has somehow been able to escape responsibility for this and eventually ended up sort of firing people he's been um, pivotal to having brought on board. So mm. I'm very much of the belief that there is a, if there is a sort of changing of the guard here, he must go. Otherwise it makes a mockery of the whole process. The question, the- question without notice here, Rowan, and you've obviously been around and watched a lot more football than Matt and I, but, and, and obviously the bombers too, but is this, is this the worst 10 year period in Essendon's history? Oh, easily, easily. I mean, it's the worst 20 year period in the history the longest premiership drought the club had endured was 19 years, which was between 65 and 84. Well, now it's been 22 years and particularly the 15 years. And it's 15 years now since the departure of Kevin Sheedy. It's just been abject failure. They've never mm. won more than 12 games in a season. Um, the thing for but- me, which stinks when you, when you look at a club like Essendon, which does have a very strong history of success and, and a no doubt very similar to other large clubs in, in Melbourne and in Victoria, which kind of expect it. The thing that really sort of got under my skin was when the review was announced, but it was an internal one. And they shunned all chat of, of undertaking an external review, saying it would take too long, there'd be too much process to go through. We'll just get someone from inside the, the inside the house to have a look and see what how we're going. And, and to me, I think if you're really dead set serious on trying to reverse a 15-year period of malaise, that is just simply not the way to go about it. Well, absolutely, and and that is one of the big bones of contention which has caused this blow-up at board level, that Dave Barham is one who is very much in the camp of we need external review. The cynics would argue that Paul Brasher and Xavier Campbell didn't want that because they'd get fingered by the external review, whereas, you know, if you have your own people uh, who have presided over this current state of affairs doing the review, um, the odds are they're not going to come out and say, yeah, we're responsible. <laughs> Our mm. review has come, has, has come to the conclusion that we stuffed up. Um, well, yes, guys, you have stuffed up, and it's about time you actually assumed responsibility for that. You're you're someone who's in the know at least, and, and and knows a fair bit more than what the average journalist might know about the bombers. What are you what are you hearing that might be the next steps now that we know that at least for now, again Monday afternoon, Rutten is safe at this point. 
Well, I'll be honest, and until today, I had heard very little, and that had been a source of ongoing frustration that, um, you know, I've certainly spoken to a score of former players and influential figures there who, who want something to happen, but no one seemed to be prepared to step up and make it happen. It's all been made harder by various machinations by which the administration and board had insulated themselves, if you like. Um, it's a 10-person board. Um, only six of that 10 are member-elected, and two of those six, or sorry, three of those, yeah, no, three of those six, actually, Kevin Sheedy, Sean Wellman, and Simon Matt, no, Simon Matt's board appointed, uh, Wellman and Sheedy are member-elected, and, and you know, members, uh, fans being what they are, they're always going to be The good old days. So, it really made it harder for anyone to come up with an alternative ticket and for it to have a chance of succeeding. So really the best chance of any change had to be someone at board level finding the um, Kanakas, if you like. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I didn't know what was an acceptable word. Um, finding the uh, cojones to uh, get up and say enough is enough. And it appears like Dave Barham has been that man. And look, I, I know... Again, I know for a fact that Kevin Sheedy has been getting increasingly frustrated with what's going on. In fact, he said publicly at a um, yes, you know, at a uh, yep, he was recently, recently that mm -hmm. he was he was becoming increasingly frustrated. So um, finally, you know, and and I think I, I think the vast majority of Essendon supporters would say, thank God, someone at board level has actually stepped up and said enough of this. You know, enough of the cheap talk. And look, can I just say too, you know, I could go on and on about this, but as well as the on-field stuff, a, a huge concern for a lot of Essendon supporters is the direction of the club philosophically. It has become a soulless club. It's become a very corporate-driven club where, you know, you feel like each can, win can is you, just... Sorry, can you, what do you mean by soulless? Can you, can you expand on that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, part of that, I think, is to do with the move out to the hangar. I think it's a, it's a very barren sort of unfriendly environment there. There's not a lot of stuff around it. It doesn't welcome people to its midst, unlike a place like Windy Hill, you know, where, which was in a very residential area. This is more an industrial, you know, sort of factory warehouse type area. And it's very open. Um, the way the place has sort of been built, it, it's not very welcoming to supporters. Um I don't think they've thought about things like that nearly enough. Even things like the signage, you know, you drive past one whole side of the club. There's not even a sign there saying, welcome to the Essendon Football Club. So stuff like that doesn't help. Mm. But I think also there's definitely a feeling that the club has become far too focused on, on profit, membership, sponsorship at the expense of let's win games of footy. And their, their attempts to involve supporters, I think, have been consistently very clunky and pretty sort of vacuous, you know, and supporters see through that stuff. They're smarter than people think. They think need you're more. right. Richmond, Richmond kind of gave the blueprint in that sense that the memberships and the sponsorships and all that followed a bit of success. And you sort of saw that the average crowds were quite down at the MCG. They have a, they have a run of success, and they're the first club to 100,000 members. Yeah, you no, can't, you can't get that first and then get the success. You've got to build the success. Correct. But I, I would say at the same time, pivotal to their success has been going. Brendan Gale, 
and Peggy, Peggy O'Neill. And mm. uh, what are, what is the common denominator there? Now, here's I'm sorry, guys. This is where my politics come into play. No, but there was a potential there was a potential board takeover and a potential board challenge of that of yeah. that Richmond Football Club. Uh, and, there was, and, and Jake, and there was to a... your point about turfing coaches too early, there was one yeah. foot out the door for Hardwick. Yeah, there was my... one foot out the door for Hardwick, and there was there was criticism throughout that whole club not six years ago. Yeah, this my, my... is this is goes back to my point at the beginning of the episode, talking about how we overreact to certain things. My point though about O'Neill and Gale is that they are both very much uh, people. People they they appreciate the value of people yep. and of connection and of a sense of belonging and inclusion, and and that is how they live their values. You know, they're, they're both very socially progressive. And Essendon makes all those sort of noises, but I don't think that the people in those equivalent positions have that instinctive empathy that Brendan Gale and Peggy O'Neill do. And they have been absolutely central to that club's success. It's the CEO and the chairman and the board that set the tone of a club. And Essendon's has been incredibly uh, negligent mm. and I think really naive in not understanding what their support base wants and desires. So ideal world, you're, you're, you've got many opinions on this sort of stuff, but what is the ideal move forward here for the Bombers so that you can look at 2023, say we're here in 12 months to so another podcast, what could you look back on 12 months from now and say, I'm glad they've done this, this and this to put the process in place? Well, I think at the very least, they should make a serious approach to Alistair Clarkson and it may well be too late for that. And he may not be interested, but I think it's very negligent of any club, not in this position, not to at least do that. Um, I think that uh, if the chairman is standing down, I think that his CEO Xavier Campbell should also be resigning. Uh, I think Adrian Dodoro, the list manager, it is time for him to move on. This is a, you know, He's had he's occupied the positions of recruiting manager or list manager now for over 20 years, 22 years, with very limited success. Um, I don't think it's all his fault, mind you, but that is a long enough step. Move on. Get someone else in that role. I think there's a, a needs to be far more serious attempts at connecting with the fan base. I think there are certain people in the media sphere and uh PR sphere who have really good idea of how that should be done. There are certain people close to this podcast who have given them a whole lot of ideas about how they could do that, ideas which have hitherto been ignored. But I think if they were approached, they'd be more than willing to be part of that before. Well, well you, we, we, we teased you about this when we did a podcast mid-year, but have you, I mean, feel free to straight bat it, but have you had thoughts or have you been approached or is there an opportunity coming for you to potentially put your name to something with with a with a, a range of other people who are who are Essendon people? I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. And I've, I've said that quite openly and honestly anytime I've been asked and they, they may not think I'm up to it or whatever and that's fine but I, I would love to I mean I love this club I've, I've barracked for it for you know my entire life I've got really strong attachment to it I've worked for it on occasion several occasions um, I would love to be able to help and I think I can help but um, you know that's up to them well you can you can make some inquiries as well you can make some phone calls uh, well, let's see what happens, eh? <laughs> Jake, more broadly, before we wrap things up for the day, um, the Clarkson thing, obviously it is 
looming large because there are at least three potential clubs that are looking for uh, another. Well, there are at least two of the, of the, the, let's call it three because uh, I know I'm sort of projecting. They'd be crazy not to make the inquiry. Yeah, I I understand that. But if if you're him, which of the three clubs is the most attractive for next year? Depends what you're asking. Are you asking about money? Because I think the Giants no, no, have a forget, case. Forget the money. Forget the money. Let's just say they're all offering the same money. What? Which club is the most attractive place to coach for the next two to three years? They all have their own attractions, don't they? In different they ways. Do. I mean, GWS, there's the thing of, you know, um, piloting uh, a club in non-traditional territory mm. to its first flag. North Melbourne, You've got the sentimental, this is where I started my um, league football journey. Essendon, you've got the big club in disarray. You know, all would have their certain appeals. Mm. Uh, It's just interesting. I mean, you know, for a guy that's 12 and 39 in his last two seasons before he he hasn't coached this year, I I just find it extraordinary how desperate everyone is to get him in the door. And um, I just don't see whichever of the three clubs he ends up going to for next year. I can't see a drastic turnaround in the short term. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people, I'm not dis- discounting your view at all, Jake. I just think in this particular case, he is the right man for us. And I've noticed a lot of people today who who would agree with you saying, well, look at when Carlton got Malthouse. I would argue there's a big difference Big difference. No, I would here. I would agree with you. I, I don't think Malthouse really had the hunger to go out and do it, and it was more about sticking it up Collingwood. Mm. So my, you know, my, my and I think Alistair Clarkson does. About does what you said earlier about someone Clarkson being someone who has the um you know the fortitude to stand up to a, a, a tough board and, and a, a board which is um you know resiliently in its sort of in its in its sense of wanting what it wants. What happens then if there is a regime change and he comes on board and he is that Messiah coach who wants to have his fingers in many pies? How would that work out? What's well, the same with anyone in that situation, isn't it? I mean, this this is the eternal thing about football politics. You you need the various arms of the club all pulling in the one direction, which again, uh, you know, using this to sort of buttress my argument, this again makes an incredible that Xavier Campbell has survived as long as he has because, you know, he, it's like everyone's fault but his, basically, and at some point. You know, I mean, this the Rutten job he has been tied to more so than any of the other appointments. So if Rutten does go, and he's not gone as we record this, but that's not to say he won't go, um, I, I just don't see how he stays on. But in answer to your question, um yeah, if I was Clarkson, I'd be seeking some assurances about. Uh, if I was Clarkson, I wouldn't be going in there unless there was regime change at the top. Mm, interesting times. Uh, one to watch over the next 12, 24, 48 hours. Obviously, one game left in the season, Jake. They play yeah. uh, Richmond this weekend. Yeah, and, and we've spoken a lot about Gold Coast probably three or four weeks ago about giving them a tick almost prematurely. And I was almost guilty of that with some of the games they've played since, including a really poor showing against the Bombers. Yeah, I got sucked in. But um, but I think it's really important, whether whether Rutten's coaching or not, that the Bombers give the... Not, they don't have to win the game. They're probably not going to win. But give, give everything in that last game to go into the off-season. If that was the last game of the season, that performance against Port... That would leave a very sour taste in my mouth for six months if I was an Essendon fan because that was 
that was up there. That was alongside some of those West Coast games where they had 14 top-up players in the side in terms of how poor they were, the standard, and the inability to pressure Port when they were attacking. There were a couple of times in that second quarter where it seemed like 16 Essendon players were forward of centre. Port chipped the ball over the top of all of them, and which it was it was... It was honestly training drill stuff, so it was embarrassing. And they've got to come out this week. They've got to they've got to have that giants that giants response that they had a couple of weeks ago um, after they got smashed by Sydney and they came back out and played really well. Who they can't remember they played. They played really well. They've got to have that performance, Essendon. They don't have to win, but they've got to come out and give everything and at least go into the off season with some sort of hope and some sort of at least give give the fans something to cling to in the off season because that was probably the most dire performance of the year from any club. Yeah. If the board and the executive situation has changed before then, I would agree. If it hasn't, I would argue that more Essendon supporters are not would actually welcome a report. Well, yeah, you want to lose by 200 points and then they do something. Yeah, I, I know what you change. mean. Which what do you again, want to do? You want, the, you want the players to walk out with, with signs saying sack the board? I mean, but, but, but it's again an indication of, of how bad things are mm. and how disillusioned the support base is that mm. there are so many Essendon people who would have, and, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but there are, I reckon a majority of Essendon supporters would have been watching that debacle going, you know what, this is good because it's going to force something to happen. And look, it has. Yeah. Uh, last one from me to you, Rowan. That wasn't you in the brown paper bag with the sad smiley face in the crowd, was it? <laughs> well, I'm ugly enough to have to hide my <laughs> face. Someone asked me if I was the person in the background in the last few minutes yesterday screaming out the abuse that was clearly <laughs> oh, that, picked that up. Was pretty no, good, no. I've, as you know, I've, I've been away in Bali for a week and yeah. even Essendon's miserable performance yesterday wasn't enough to ups- totally upset my new zen-like disposition. Very good. We're going to leave it there. Um, look, plenty to watch, as I said, over the coming days, weeks, uh, and potentially off-season for the Bombers, uh, as well as some other clubs, North Melbourne, GWS, and and, and potentially others as well. But, uh, Rowan, thank you very much for jumping on with us. Jake, good to speak with you. I'll speak with you tomorrow for the main uh, ESPN footy podcast. And to everyone at home, we'll speak to you in the next one. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN footy pod, wherever you get your podcasts.